Time to Travel with Karen Key. And a very good evening to you and welcome to this week's edition of Time to Travel. On the show this evening, I'll be chatting with travel writer Graham Howe about his recent trip along Route 66 in the United States. Robbie Stammers, publishing editor of Intrepid Explorer, will be in studio and we'll be finding out about his recent African honeymoon. And then Dariel Robertson, events coordinator, will be on the line and she'll be telling us about the upcoming Winter Wines Festival in Franschhoek. And just a reminder, if you need any information about something you hear on Time to Travel this evening, you can find it on Facebook. Just go to travel on SAFM. Or you can email me on travel at safm.co.za. Well, that's the lineup for this evening. I do hope you'll stay with me and enjoy the show here on SAFM. Time to travel with Karen Key. Well, Graham Howe is back with us again this evening. The last time he was here, he was telling us about having attended the Pow Wow, the Tourism International Conference um, in Chicago. And one of the things he did while he was in the area was that he actually went and traveled along Route 66. But we ran out of time the last time. So he's come back this evening to tell us more about that. I don't know why I keep inviting him, because I spend the entire time he's here turning green with envy and really wishing it was me that was over there, because it always sounds such fun. Graham, welcome back to the show. You're going to make us all envious again tonight. Thanks, Carl and hopefully inspire people to get out oh, there yes. and do Route 66 themselves. Now, you, this happened, obviously, I imagine, after you attended this, the power. Yes, yes, because okay. Chicago is actually what the, 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 it's, it's billed as the beginning of the mother road of Route okay. 66, the legendary road that runs all the way through eight states from Chicago to Los Angeles. And so it was the traditional pioneer route before the highway was opened there in 1926. And also, even before that, it was known as the Pontiac Trail and Chief Pontiac, one of the uh, Native American uh, groups in the area. This was a traditional hunting route which avoided the steeper parts of the Rockies to the north and so it's always been the sort of the, the gateway and the road to the, to the west. But they've, they've, it's sort of not the original Route 66 anymore. I mean, they've sort of bypassed it now with a freeway or a highway yes, or something. absolutely. Um, it was uh, in operation from about 1926 to 1985, Route 66, when it, which was, it was then decommissioned because of all the new interstate four-lane freeways that had been built since the 1950s. But in fact... Most, about 85% of Route 66 was left intact and runs alongside the freeways and uh, on, on its sort of own uh, route through small town America. And there's been a tremendous revival of interest in this route that John Steinbeck in Grapes of Wrath first described as the mother road, the road that took everyone out west through Oklahoma. Other people have called it the, the America's main street uh, because unlike the kind of anonymous uh, freeway with its sort of huge gas stations, this really runs through small town America and in fact Although I just did the first stretch from Chicago to St. Louis, probably a 400, 450 kilometer stretch, it really is like traveling into the past, into a, into a sort of golden era of small town America in the 1950s and 1960s. How long is it though um, in total? The whole stretch is around three and a half thousand kilometers. Oh, so it is quite long. So, okay. And as I say, it runs through eight states. I, I could even try singing it, you know, the classic Route 66 think, song. Um, um, but in fact, let me just name them, which which are Illinois, I think Missouri, it might, be, might be better, yes, okay. Kansas, which is the shortest stretch, only 21 kilometers. Oklahoma, Texas, where it 
runs through Amarillo. I could sing another. Show me the way to Amarillo if you like. (laughs) New Mexico, Arizona, and finally California. So it's drivable in about two weeks, but a lot of people take three weeks because there's so many attractions Mm. along the way, not just the Grand Canyon and Santa Fe and the Mojave Desert, but there are some great characters and legends. And it's the kind of road of migration, mobility, and the automobile. So it has a very iconic status in American literature. People actually come from all over the world to to drive it, either on, on Harley Davidson's or... That seems um, to be the, the, yeah. the, the and, and, and method so of choice. enough of it is left over, even though if you open up a big map of the US, instead you will find IAS 55, 44, and 40. Oh, is it not on the map? You won't actually find it on it. You actually have to buy a special map. And I'm sure even if you plugged it into a GPS, you'd probably need a special app. So uh, you really need a navigator as well, because there's so many diversions if you, if you want to travel as much of the original route um, as possible, which is also a much narrower strip, because roads were about 20 feet wide at that point so and cars were much smaller so in fact it was the first paved route from east to west built in america and the first stretch to be entirely paved was in illinois in the late 1920s it's really a road with a fascinating history. Um, some people say Al Capone was the, is the, the godfather of the road because he was the one who used it the most to transport and bootleg uh, oh, liquor oh, down yes. from Canada um, and to distribute it through towns, through mob towns like St. Louis. And if you wanted to drive the whole thing, how long would it take you, do you think? In- I think you could do it comfortably in about three weeks. I don't know whether you've read or seen the documentary Billy Connolly's Route I've, 66, I've, yes, which yeah. is brilliant. And I think he took about three to four weeks to do that. I think it would be a shame not to visit some of the stops along the way and of course it's sort of full of second and third generation mom and pop diners and gas stations which are legends in, in America and old-fashioned motels and motor courts all of these when the automobile was first introduced in America and from the Model T Fords suddenly millions of people within within a five-year period had cars and, and wanted roads to drive on and, and, and wanted wanted to go explore out west and so all of these you know the first fast food joints the first hot dog and hamburger and, and motor courts where you could park your car next to your bedroom all of these grew up alongside Route 66 to meet the needs of a new generation of, of, of travellers. And then came the classic song in 1946 written by a man called Troop. And uh, he, he made four million bucks from you can get your kicks on Route 66 in royalties. In 1940-something? He wrote it in 1946. Wow. And apparently he was doing the trip himself. He was looking for work as a singer-songwriter out on the West Coast and driving across America on Route 66. And they were stopped at at a diner one day. And he said to his wife, oh, I, you know, I really need to write a new song. And his wife said, well, why, why don't you write a song about the road we're on? So he said, oh, I don't know. You know, there'd be just lots of names in it. So she, he said, what would I call it? So she said, well, Route 66. She said, I know, get your kicks on Route 66. <laughs> and he said, no, no, it'll never sell. Anyway, a few years later, Nat King Cole picked up the song, the first person to make it famous. And uh, a few months after that, the royalty check started rolling in. And over 100 bands have since recorded it, legendary verse from uh, uh, Chuck Berry to uh, the Rolling Stones and Depeche Mode. I mean, there's been uh, there've been many bands who've recorded it um, over the years. Most recently, Glenn Frey from the Eagles.
Right, okay, well, that's, we all sort of travel along. Hopefully we can think of some songs to write. It might be a lot, rather lucrative thing to do. Did it live up to your expectations? This oh, thing? It, I mean, it, and what were you driving uh, in? I mean, you uh, obviously went on a Harley at this point. No, 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 I was, I was in a, with a group of journalists. Okay. So, we, you know, we were in a, it was still in part a, in a, of that. a small okay. coach. I planned to go back and drive the whole route myself, but uh, Billy Connolly did it in a, on a trike, which... With like those three-wheel yes, sort of absolutely. motorbike things, yeah. Um, but uh, riders come from all over the world to do it, and I'd like to do it maybe a classic car like a Pontiac. It starts downtown in Chicago on Adams and uh, Michigan streets, and there's a marker that stands there. And traditionally, people start at a restaurant or diner called Lou Mitchell's and have breakfast and then set off um, south on I-55. And the landscape changes all the time. So on the Illinois and Missouri stretch, we did parts of, we did that. You really drive through prairie and farmland. And in fact, it's the soya and corn capital of the world. So it's lovely sort of rolling farmland. And later on, you pass through the deserts of New Mexico and Arizona and, and taking in this, the, the great sights along the way. So where was your first stop while you were doing and We this? stopped in a town called Joliet. It's the first key stop, 76 oh, kilometers right. south of Chicago. Name. And in fact, outside town, we passed the Joliet Correctional Center. Mm. And Joliet is famous for its prisons. And uh, this is the prison where both Prison Break and the Blues Brothers was filmed, the initial escape scene, where I think either Jake or Elwood up get in and they throw the cigarette lighter yes, at the car. Yeah. I don't know whether you remember. I but the funny thing is movie. right outside the prison there's the, this sign saying, do not pick up hitchhikers <laughs> in this area. <laughs> and we saw it again later. We passed a second um, prison. So, in fact, there are giant statues of the Blues Brothers on the roof of a place called Rich and Creamy, which is one of these legendary, it's a legendary local ice cream store that's been on Route 66 for decades. And, and one of the things they specialize in is frozen and custard, um, which is a local specialty ice cream. I know, go figure, Carl. Sorry, no, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm looking quite you, confused you, you'll here. You'll see things yeah. and taste things on this route <laughs> that, that will really shake your head. Okay. You know, like a corn dog. It's famous uh, mm. for its corn dogs as well, which are these hot dogs deep fried in batter, in a very thick batter, and then sold here on a stick at the Cozy Dog, which has been there, I think, since the 19, 1930s. Okay, so you actually go on Route 66 with a whole lot of heartburn medication, is what you're telling me. <laughs> is that what you're telling it's me? deep fried chicken. Okay, so a heart, okay, it's very traditional by the retro ton. 50s okay. food with all these wonderful neon signs. So the first steak and shake opened, the first White Castle, where I think you can get 10 hamburgers for $5. They're these little mini uh, hamburgers, White Castle, another famous Midwestern mm. chain. So if you're looking for a retro experience, in fact, I posed with the Blues Brothers at the Joliet Museum. They welcome you um, into the museum, and they've got all these couches <laughs> cut out of the back of old Cadillacs. So you sit there with the wings of the Cadillac. <laughs> <laughs> the arms, um, and it's just one. The Joliet Museum is a definite, a definite place to stop. Oh, that, um, that appeals to me. And, and another key stop is a, a small mining town called Godly, which probably should have been called Ungodly because it was famous for its old moonshine stills. Al Capone apparently had one there. It also used to have a famous brothel mounted uh, in, on a railway carriage. And now the main street runs through two counties. There's one county to the left and one county to the right. And apparently, whenever the miners heard that there was going to be a raid on their broth, they'd push the railway carriage from one county into the county where the raid wasn't going to be, <laughs> which would be a few inches. You know, these are the sorts of legends that you pick up alongside Route 66. And it's also famous, this particular town of Godley, for its old Burma Shave signs. Now, Burma Shave was a, was a shaving cream in the, in the 1920s. They invented the first billboards, but they used to, they were very clever, they used to space them out over miles with phrases, snatches of phrases on these signs. And they're real collectors. 
collector's items today, and both to keep motorists awake and to keep them amused. So, for example, we, we passed one, and what it said on about five different billboards was hardly a driver is left alive who took the hill at 75, and it was a build-up to a hill, and a hill that would be a bad idea to take so at 75 miles you got a snatch of, of the hour, sentence yeah. on each and of the billboards. And you get billboards. Okay. giant billboards. So they're called Burma Shave signs, and they're one of the legends of Route 66 still. And, and then the, the, one of the other key stops, not that far south of Chicago, was after my Aston Martin experience. Yes, I heard about that. You think you're I, a racing driver I seem driver to have now. a new lease of life as a motoring correspondent mm -hmm. because we visited the Chicagoland Speedway and Route 66 Raceway, which is one of these key NASCAR uh, events where they, they drive 250 laps on this steep track at up to 300 kilometers an hour. And we got to take turns in the NASCAR pace, they called it the lead car, which at high speed banked within a millimeter of the outer wall. So I've got a picture of myself in the victory circle to prove it. And I don't know whether you remember a film called Talladega Nights. Yes, funny I do. Film with, I very much well, I do, well, yes. Some of the scenes were filmed here mm. with comedian Will, Will Ferrell. So in fact, um, the, the famous gentleman Start Your Engines is, is one of the, the legends to come out. But of now the, I remember uh, when, you, when you were doing when you were doing the Aston Martin thing, you accidentally didn't remember that you were driving in miles per hour instead of kilometres. <laughs> and I remember you almost totaling a car that told... Um, I wasn't allowed to drive this time. Well, just, I was just wondering, because you sort of thought you were sort of doing your whole sort of James Bond Skyfall thing. That's true. Um, you know, That's you true. didn't do that this time. No, you no, behaved. because the NASCAR lead driver was, 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 was oh, is the guy who normally does that. it. So okay. he drove. But I did sit in the front seat next to him. Okay. But now, you, you, this whole merchant correspondent thing, are you changing tech now because you all, I mean you went off to Pontiac. Well, I'm falling in love with classic cars. Yeah, I know but um, you must stay being a travel guide. The town of Pontiac we, yeah. is one of the main um, stops on Route 66 in, in, in Illinois and it's famous for both its um, 20 street murals. These are giant murals which kind of capture that neon age of Route 66 of the old gas stations and so all the walls in the town are just painted with these beautiful murals and apparently a group called the Wall Dogs a collective of artists. Wall, as in the wall, wall of the house. W-A-L-L. -L. -L. Okay. The wall dogs, yes, the wall dogs. They painted these massive murals in just four days, and they come into a town and literally redecorate it. And you can now follow a 1,000 miles of murals all the way along Route 66 through these small towns to New Mexico. And the highlight of our visit to Pontiac, though, was the amazing collection of Pontiac vintage cars. And not forgetting that um, Route 66 was originally called the Pontiac Trail um, when it was untarred and was literally a sort of a horse and buggy and, you know, cart route out west. So we were able to see, in fact, Pontiac originally made horse buggies and there's one of only two surviving Pontiac horse buggies at the Pontiac um, Museum as well as a Bonville from 1959 and a Firebird. I mean these are just, you just fall in love with these cars, you know, the, the aluminium the, the wings I mean these, these are just classic 1950 cars. But last of all was in 1926 a restaurant called the Old Log Cabin which is now as old as Route 66 opened and the amazing story is when Route 66 moved many decades ago, there were constant realignments, you know, to accommodate town developments and that kind of thing. They turned the old log cabin completely around so that it still faced <laughs> Route 66 and was still as close to it. And we were met by the mayor. In fact, I must say the mayor of every small town along the way came out and had lunch with us and chatted to nice. us. That was nice. And it was really nice to, to meet sort of real small town characters like uh, Bob Russell, the mayor of Pontiac.
The one thing Americans do really well is they have a Hall of Fame for pretty much everything. And they Absolutely. must have one for Route 66, surely. <laughs> there are several. Oh. Um, but the one that was particularly great was the one in Pontiac um, because they've got one of the biggest collections of Route 66 memorabilia. And best of all, they've got the collection of vehicles owned by a legend called Bob Wildmeyer. And he was one of the many eccentrics who lived on Route 66 for 40 years, from about 1965 to 2005. And he was a, a sort of vegan hippie who lived in an eco-friendly road yacht. He converted a school bus, uh, complete with solar panels, rainwater shower, and a, a toilet that generated compost. Um, <laughs> and he had a, a pet rattlesnake that guarded the car. And in fact, they've got the uh, the, the rattlesnake is, is is passed on like Bob Waldmeyer, but it's it still is wrapped around his steering wheel today and a giant mural in Pontiac pays tribute to Bob and he features as Felmore in the Disney film Cars. Oh, uh, I've seen that. Cars was inspired yes. by Route 66. Oh, was it so, really? You know, it's all about Route 66 and the legends of Route 66. Okay, talking about um, legends, what did you meet any other legends? They came on, fast but... and furious. I mean, oh, really? we stopped to meet people, um, not just the mayors, but I met a guy called Rich Henry at Henry's Rabbit Ranch, but it's rabbit spelt with two sixes for Route 66. And he He's recreated a complete sort of 1930s gas station right down to vintage petrol pumps and old Chevys. And he's got an amazing collection of neon signs. And the reason he called it the Rabbit Ranch was that uh, the, 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 the Volkswagen Golf was actually known as a rabbit. I, rem I remember in, those. In, in, I in do. the US. Yeah. And it inspired Henry to start a collection of a dozen real rabbits. So we met some of his rabbits like Bunny and Clyde. I know. Um, <laughs> And, you know, Wadja, Wadja Wabbit. And he has his own Burma Shave sign that stand, which stands outside, which says, Weskily Wabbits get their kicks meeting folks on Route 66, which is lovely. So um, he doesn't breed the rabbits. I mean, they're just his pets. He's got a big rabbit cemetery out the back. His rabbits, he says, last longer than any. We met rabbits like Big Reds. And he sells a lot of um, uh, Route 66 memorabilia. Another legend I met was Andy Ritchie, whose name is in the Route 66 pavement of fame in the town of Litchfield. And he cycled Route 66 in 30 days. Wow, you said it would take three weeks. He was super fit. Well, he must have just put his nose down. He didn't even just, stop, he just went. Not stopped. Yeah. I was very uh, envious of his old 50s. Uh, he had a sort of gleaming black and aluminium Chevy pickup truck, a classic. And at the Ariston Cafe, the oldest cafe on Route 66, which opened in 1924, run by the same Adam family, we had a fabulous tea where they, the, the waitresses brought out these enormous trays of cherry pie, key lime pie, choc lava, you name it, but real sort of cheesecakes and huge supersized portions. And so after that, I think I, I probably snoozed off in, on the bus on the way to the, to the next stop. Uh, right at the beginning, you you mentioned something about the first bit of the road that was tarred. Yes. That, that's almost like an historic piece of the road now. It is, yes, it is. And um, we, we stopped. In fact, it was laid with hand-laying bricks. And there's still a 2.2-kilometre stretch of Route 66. Um, they call it the Old Red Brick Road, which dates back to 1931. And it's in the middle of a, of a corn and soya field. So, uh, And it's like many stops on Route 66. It's listed in the U.S. National Register of Historic Places. And in fact, I was presented with a handsome souvenir of a little chip of the original brick. Oh, wow, and, okay. And the man giving it to me said, now you can get your bricks <laughs> on Route 66, which I thought was really funny. <laughs> so like the old song goes, if you ever plan to motor west, travel my way, the highway is best. Get your kicks on Route 66. It winds from Chicago to L.A. Won't you get hip to this timely tip when you make that car trip?
Okay. So I saw lots of other goofy stuff on, like on Route 66. Like well, one of the things they're known is for their giants. So they have these, they're actually 10 meter high. Um, these are massive. They call them the muffler men. And, and they're outside some of the gas stations. And they're made of fiberglass. And some of them, there's one, one is of a giant man holding a, a 10 meter hot dog. And they were made of the same fiberglass <laughs> plant in California. And they've also got the biggest ketchup bottle in the world, which is massive. Underneath it says, you should see the size of our tomatoes. <laughs> but this thing's like a spaceship. Um, and they've got a spaceman, and they're called Paul Bunyan statues. Mm. And in fact, you can make your way down Route 66, not only seeing a thousand miles of murals, but people stop in these little towns to see the giant man. We went and saw the Lauterbach man, who is a giant tire man in Springfield, Illinois. And I was told that his head was blown off by a tornado <laughs> in 2006. And they found it, I think, in the next state in a cornfield. And someone thought, you know, either someone had landed from outer space and all these UFO sightings was... And then they realised it, the, it was the man's missing head. So they went and stuck it back on again. Um, so I loved that. I loved all of that. Of course, you sing Route 66 all the way down the route until you know, you know, the town, the name of every town in it. Um, now, I have to ask you, you, you've come in here this evening wearing your Springfield shirt. Now, that, Bruce, that's, yeah. that's Lincoln's hometown. Absolutely. You, you go, obviously if, went it, there. Outside of Chicago, it would be the main mm. tourist destination in Illinois. And, and it would certainly be the biggest and also probably the biggest port of call on Route 66. And it's great because they get 80 freight trains coming through the middle of the town all night and all day. And the, the railway runs right through the middle of town. So you, it's really, you really feel like you've walked into an old Woody Guthrie song of people jumping boxcars because they pull the whistle every time they come through. So you don't certainly it's don't need noisy. a wake-up wake up call. Mm. Woo, woo, you know, as you're falling asleep so, and the, the hotel rumbles. Oh so I, really, I actually really enjoyed it. But, of course, Abraham Lincoln lived here for 17 years. And he works as a lawyer and a legislator for the Illinois state. So you can visit his beautifully restored home, a double-story neoclassical building. And it's set in a whole white picket sort of fence area with all his neighbors' houses have been restored as well. And it's a national park. And you can also visit the old state capitol building where he lay uh, when he, he, in the state after his assassination in April 1865. So next year they're having huge 150-year commemorations of the assassination of, of Lincoln. And in fact... Obama, I don't know whether you remember, announced his presidential nomination from exactly the same steps at the, the old Capitol building uh, in Springfield as, uh, as Lincoln did, stepping into his shoes. In fact, I got to wear his big top hat in the, the chambers. The real one. The, I don't know whether it was the real one because the curator had disappeared. So I, I put it on my head and a whole lot of messages fluttered out. And he was renowned for storing bits of speeches he was going to make. And, and it was in beautiful old-fashioned script. And I've got a feeling it was the real thing. Anyway, I just got something to snap five quick no. pictures, grabbed the gavel, swacked it down to get silence in the court kind of thing. And uh, everyone was taking pictures of me. And I managed to get it back onto the podium and, and get, get out of the chair. Okay, this, um, I didn't know about that. That's, yes. yeah, we're not, we're not we also, encouraging illegal behavior. But we went to, it was great fun wearing it. And it fitted me really well. Of course, he was six foot four, so he was even taller than, 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 than I. We also went to the Lincoln Presidential Library and Museum. Now, there are a whole lot of Lincoln attractions in, in town. And this is the biggest presidential library in the world. And they have very high-tech holographic recreations of the assassination, a replica of the White House. One of the newest attractions, which opened six months ago, is they have in the railway station 
uh, which is no longer uh, used because the trains seem to just thunder straight through the middle of town. Yeah, they have Steven Spielberg sets from the Lincoln movie. Um, so they have his office and Mary's bedroom. That was really, really great. And then last of all, which has nothing to do with um, Lincoln at all, we went to the Cozy Dog, uh, the most famous hot dog <laughs> restaurant in the world, um, run by the Waldmeyer family since 1949. Quite interesting that their son was the, the same vegan. Yeah. Who well, I was, was going to ask you of any relation. 40 years and wouldn't have anything to do with meat. So I don't know what, uh, maybe growing up. But mm. anyway, it's, it's, everyone goes there for a hot dog for this corn-dipped hot dog dripped in bread. What was, what was it like? An acquired taste. Oh, oh right. I say no more. Yeah. Right, okay. And, and unfortunately, they sell them to you in threes. In you three? can buy one, but they also sell, I was told you're a big fella, you probably need three. So I, oh. I um, anyway, that's... Right. Uh, okay. But certainly I would go to the Cozy Dog, and, and they make fantastic hamburgers as well. Okay. Great chips and onion rings too. Okay, now you're coming to the end of this trip. It was a relatively short trip on Route 66. Where did you end up at the end? Well, we ended up in St. Louis, which is the end of the first leg. Oh, okay. And so the, the stretch I did is the only stretch east of the Mississippi, and then you cross the Mississippi. In fact, there's a wonderful confluence of three rivers and a tower you can go up to see the Mississippi, the Missouri, and Illinois. And the Great River Road, which is another scenic byway, one of um, the 150 scenic byways identified in 44 states, that intersects with Route 66, and we went off and did some of the Great River Road. And you can go all the way up to Hannibal, which is Mark Twain's hometown. Uh, we stayed and, and visited uh, the charming town of Alton, which is supposed to be the most haunted town in America, and we met the main ghost story um, writer who lives there, and apparently all goes back to the Civil War and to the Underground Railroad when, mm. when the slaves would, 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 uh, would flee north and, would, and Alton was a key point for them to come through. And so there are many ghost stories at, attached to sh you know, executions and shootings um, in the area of Alton. And so I, I can't, uh, I, you know, my conclusion, you can still get your kicks on Route 66. It was great being back in, in St. Louis. It has this, one of the world's tallest man-made monument, the, the Gateway Arch, which you go up inside a spindly little cable car to the top of this massive arch. And, and it's the sort of gateway to the West. And that's where I intend to pick up my journey next. And it was the first time really in about 40 years I'd been back to St. Louis to, um, because I spent a year there as an exchange student in 1970. 75 to, to 1976 so it was very nostalgic being back there um that's where i'll pick up my my journey to uh to, to probably to, to arizona next year well, well if you're going to do the rest of the road trip you're going to have to come in a good number of times because by all accounts there's a whole lot to tell us about on this rest of this trip so yes absolutely giants hot dogs and mm. uh, tea rooms but you're off to australia next i am i'm off to the great barrier reef shortly for a oh, travel dear. conference so and, you're going to have to come and tell us about uh, I'm that. I'm doing a sailing trip down through the Whitsundays. Oh, shame. Gosh, Graham, you have such a hard life, you know. I don't know how, how do you up. cope? I really don't know how you cope. But thank you so much for finding a little bit of time to come and chat with us. Thanks, And Karen. we look forward to your next visit. I Enjoy your trip to, to Australia. Thanks for your time. Graham Howe is a freelance travel writer who writes for the Intrepid Explorer, Getaways, Blog and Classic Wine. He attended IPW 14 as a guest of British Airways, US Travel, Choose Chicago and Discover Illinois. For more in information, you can see www.discoveramerica.com, illinoisroute66.org, and discoverillinois.org. And um, before Graham or I burst into song, I thought I'd let somebody else do the honours. <laughs>
sick of always missing your favorite SAFM shows? Well, now you don't have to. We have a free podcast service that allows you to access them directly from your cell phone, PC or tablet whenever and wherever you're ready to listen. Go to safm.co.za and click on podcast. This takes you to the SAFM page on iono.fm. Follow at iono.fm on Twitter or like it on Facebook for regular updates. You never have to miss your favorite shows. SAFM podcasts powered by iono.fm. First, it was the first democratic elections in 1994. The President of the Republic of South Africa, Mr. Nelson Kholishatla Mandela. The time for the healing of the wounds has come. The 2010 FIFA World Cup. We are proud. We are proud of Africa. The 2010 FIFA World Cup will be organized in South Africa. Then... A South African winning an Oscar. And the Oscar goes to... Charlize Theron. I'm going to thank everybody in South Africa, my home country. And I'm bringing this home. Our democracy did not come cheap. SFM celebrates 20 years of inspiration. Let us all reflect on how our freedom was achieved. SFM, South Africa's news and information leader. Every weekend, SAFM brings you the people at the center of the stories. We give you a clear perspective on national and international events. Find out how on Weekend AM Live from 6 every Saturday and Sunday morning. SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. On Saturday afternoons from 3 to 7 and Sunday afternoons from 4 to 6, keep up to date with all the latest sporting action. Live scores from Formula One to tennis to international golf. Right here on SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. SAFM brings you live interactive topical news from current affairs, global warming debates, women's issues to interviews with top literary connoisseurs. To join our conversations, visit our website on safm.co.za. Follow us on Twitter at SAFM Radio or simply like our Facebook page, SAFM Radio. SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. Time to travel with Karen Key. Robbie Stammers is back in studio with us this evening, and he's the publishing editor of The Intrepid Explorer with the tagline, Live the Life of Adventure. And the last time he joined us, he'd um, been off to New York for his first trip there. But now we're going to talk to him about his African honeymoon. He's recently got married, so congratulations on that. But he's had a fabulous time traveling around. Well, there were times that weren't quite so fabulous, but we'll get to that. But uh, Robbie, welcome back to the show. Thanks very much. Lovely to be here. First of all, congratulations on the nuptials. Thank you. Thank you very much. Right. Yes. Well, newly married is wonderful experience. Yes, so I'm a kept man now. You're a kept man. <laughs> <laughs> and you had this wonderful honeymoon. So tell us, where did you start it off on the blue train? Yes, yes, we did. It was it was absolutely wonderful. My wife, as I must get used to saying now, had no idea where we were going. I just told her to pack her bags and make sure she had her passport and... She got quite the fright when we were driven and drove past the turn off completely through her and we arrived at Adelie Street train station and went into the blue train, the VIP lounge. And the blue train is just really, I recommend that everybody has to do it once in their life. And it was the most wonderful experience. What was so wonderful about the blue train? 
other than the, the luxury and the sumptuousness yeah, it's of just, it all, I'm sure. Exactly. It's just lavish and luxurious. And there's something about traveling by train, you know, especially besides how beautiful the blue train is itself, just actually, you know, being able to sit with the, the motion of the train and watching places like the Hexera Valley and the Karoo go by. It's just, you know, it's, it's completely different to even any self-drive or other mode of transport. So how many nights were you on the train? Just one. Uh, we uh, took the, the blue train from Cape Town to Pretoria. So you leave early uh, on the one morning and you arrive in Pretoria just after lunch the next day. Okay, and right, so that wasn't it. What happened when you got to Pretoria? Pretoria, we took the uh, Gau train to to Joburg, to Otambo, and from there we flew off to Vic Falls, and from Vic Falls we then took transit over the border, which uh, the Vic Falls was in full flood at the moment, so it was absolutely stunning. I don't think there can be any better border crossing from Zimbabwe to Zambia. There can't be anything that competes with it in the world when you're traveling over Vic Falls. And from there we went into Zambia and went to Royal Chindu, which is on right. I mean, it, you couldn't get more on the Zambezi if you if you tried. So do you do all those ex, um, sort of extravagantly dangerous adventures, or were you just too newly married to go and put your life at risk? There? No, no, we did. We went white water rafting, uh, which was absolutely spectacular. Not as as hairy as I think it is at other times of the year, because the Zambezi was in full flood, so. The rapids weren't as scary as they I would have thought it would be more scary with all that water. No, not too bad, actually. Okay. But it was one, you survived, absolutely you wonderful. Here. Yes, still <laughs> <That's> here. <great. laughs> and Royal Chindi is, I mean, I've, I've been very blessed to have traveled a lot in my life. And I, I think I can, can say with you know, com- complete faith that it's probably the best place I've ever been. It really is absolutely breathtaking. And they have a, a river lodge. But they also have an island lodge, and that's where we were lucky enough to be going. So you take a boat from the river lodge, and you take a boat to the island lodge, and you literally, we had a, a, an entire island to ourselves, which your, your room is right on the, on the water. And when we got there, there was a bath run, outside bath waiting for us. So you literally sit there with your, with your champagne in your bubble bath on the side of the Zambezi with fish eagles. And I mean, it really just... It doesn't get better than that. You know you've scored serious brownie points here. <laughs> I mean, you now have to improve on this. Every anniversary is going to have to be better than this. I know, is I know. Is that possible yeah, now? I think I overshot the mark. <laughs> <laughs> just think you better start planning now. I know you're just married, but you, the one-year anniversary is going to come up quite soon. You're going to have to better yourself here. Right, after you were on the island, where then? You went off to Tongabezi. Yes, Tongabezi. Also on Zambezi, literally about half an hour back towards Vic Falls from uh, Royal Chindu. And they've also got a an island there, uh, which is uh, Sindabezi, which is closer to the to the Zim side of of Vic Falls. So you actually have the luxury of having all of the game that you normally see on the Zim side from the Sindabezi island. And we were one of four honeymoon couples who were there, so it was actually quite fun. All the girls swapped notes on weddings and we took sunset cruises all along the, the the riverside where we saw giraffe and hyena and lots of bird life that was our first night and then our second night we went back to the mainland Tongabezi where we stayed in an aptly named place called the nut house <laughs> <laughs> and we had our own little plunge pool that had sort of cascaded over the edge and 
you could sit in the pool and literally just look at the whole Zambezi in front of you. It was it was quite magic. You did some rather dangerous canoeing, from what I gather. Yes, yes, we did. We, my wife is not scared of any creepy crawlies or anything. But the only thing she does have a, a, a fear for is crocs. And we we were taken to our destination by boat where we were going to be canoeing from. And then the guide explained to us the rules and regulations. And one rather daunting thing was he said that the crocs can be very inquisitive. So don't be surprised if they come right up next to the canoe. And my wife was almost ready to actually ask if we could go back to the main lodge. But by then... We, we were committed, so we got into, and it's not the inflatable rafts that we had done, the, the whitewater rafting. It's those, it's those small, rather flimsy and unbalanced canoes. So it was Gosh. rather... No, I would have gone back to the lodge, I'm afraid. What well, about we the, but the hippos as well, yes. I mean, those are quite dangerous. We actually came between a hippo and her calf, and the guide who was in Ooh. the canoe next to us, we could see when he started to get nervous and told us to paddle for our lives, we, we definitely knew that we had to. So so we did come across one or two hippos and crocs, but in the end we we got safely back to the lodge, so all's well that ends well. <laughs> oh, no, that would have totally freaked me out. Right, so after all of that, uh, you went where? You went back into Zim after that? Yes, went back over Vic Falls and went to the Stanley in Livingston which is literally about 10 k's from the falls itself. And it was actually a lovely part of the trip as well because it was so different. We had been on the Zambezi on, at Royal Chindu and Tongabezi, and now we were having more of a game experience where Stanley Livingston is big five game lodge, and it's beautifully sort of, it's done up so colonial, you would actually think that you've sort of taken a step back in time. And... We had the honeymoon suite, which had its own little jacuzzi overlooking the waterhole right on the lodge, which was beautiful. Wonderful. So we had a different experience there where we actually went on a lot of game drives. We saw some lovely game, had a a bush bride at the LARPA that evening. With uh, They had a wonderful uh, Zim band that came in and did sort of authentic Zim dancing and music, which was lovely. And then the second night, uh, we had they gave us a dinner in the wine cellar there, which was stunning. So the the two nights at Stanley Livingston, we actually were away from the river and doing all the the game drives and everything, which was which was lovely. And then I said at the beginning that there was something that wasn't quite that fabulous. You were going to go off on the Pride of Zambezi houseboat, which just is amazing. Yes, I was. But you didn't quite get there. No, no, unfortunately. Life happens while you're making plans. Mm. We naively, I imagine, but we weren't given a due warning. We uh, left Stanley Livingston to head up to the Chobe, where we were, as you say, going to be going on to the Pride of Zambezi. Which in Botswana now. In Botswana. was actually in Namibia. We were having to go through Botswana for about a 20-minute you know, trance sort drive. Cross-country yes. sort of thing, yeah. So, so we took our, our, our vehicle all the way up there, and then when we reached the Botswana border, uh, we were met by our our driver who was going to be taking us to the Pride of Zambezi. And um, we went into the border post and they turned us away very adamantly because my wife was on a temporary passport. And with much wailing and gnashing of teeth or she was crying and I was trying to be as charming as possible. We were having absolutely no joy 
whatsoever. In fact, they proudly told us we were the third South African couple they had turned away that week. So unfortunately, and this was a twenty-minute sort of. It was a twenty. I mean, we were cross, literally driving through part of Botswana to get to the other side, yes. which would have cut out how many hours or days driving to get back to Namibia. To yeah, almost a day and a half if we'd gone all the other way around. So unfortunately, we 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 had to to forfeit our two nights on the houseboat. There was just no ways. You know, we only had two days left, and the two of those days would have been spent predominantly driving if we had to go all the way around. So, so after this disaster, what did you do? I frantically called uh, Royal Chindu, which had been our first and, and, and favorite stop, and desperately asked if they actually had any vacancies, and they were wonderful and said, please come back home. <laughs> <laughs> so thankfully, we actually ended up having our last two nights back at Royal Chindu. So all was time, not lost. All was definitely not lost. I certainly can't complain. But what a pity, though. It was a pity, and I warn anyone, uh, well, uh, you know, give them due warning uh, from from our mistakes. Uh, you know, whatever you're doing, you might be able to go to Timbuktu or Antarctica or Babeti Consweti on a temporary yeah, passport. You can't go through Botswana. <laughs> <laughs> but there, you see, now you can actually plan that for your that first wedding anniversary. Maybe that's that's the plan. Yes, I'm going to bank that houseboat. I certainly. think that's that's a bankable destination, <laughs> definitely. I think you could actually do quite well with that one. Right, so this was this your was your first time to all these places, or was this a, sort of a, a back to them for you? No, I had visited Zambia before, and I had been to Royal Chindu, but I hadn't been to Tongabezi or Stanley Livingston before, and I, I hadn't stayed on the island at Royal Chindi, so it was absolutely magical. So definitely honeymoon destinations, without a doubt. I but mean, also for a holiday. I mean, it's not just certain, for that. You can no, be- absolutely. And I went off for two or three hours tiger fishing, and my wife had a spa treatment, so we were both. As happy as Larry and our <laughs> doing our, our different things. How was things. the fishing? The fishing was great, but unfortunately I can't come back with tales of huge <laughs> fish. I had two that got away, although no one believes me. Oh, well, they always do that. I they mean, always Very do. inconsiderate fish. I mean, really. <laughs> but it's fun just doing that. I mean, it's a whole, it was absolutely wonderful. It's a wonderful I loved experience. It. Yeah. You know. And also I think that uh, at this time of year, because the water is so high, they say that the tiger fishing is not as as great as it usually is, but that's probably just. You me mean you could have excuses. got a boatload if you'd been there yeah, at a different yeah, time of the year? Yeah, yeah I well, obviously, loads, 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 <laughs> loads, loads. Wonderful destinations and getting there pretty easy, as you said. Yeah, you just flew in. Absolutely no problem at all. I actually, we flew in on Air Zim and I flew back on SAA, and and both were wonderful. We nearly did miss our flight out, and I think if it had been many other destinations, the the plane would have gone. But they were literally actually, the chap who drives away the stairs was actually driving the stairs away <laughs> while we were running towards the plane, and they put them back, and and we and we we hopefully got home safe. Now I mentioned at the beginning of the interview that you were the publishing editor of the Intrepid Explorer, Live the Life of Adventure. Tell me a little bit about the mag for people who don't know it, and where they can get hold of a copy. Thanks. Yeah, the Intrepid Explorer actually started, we're now in our sixth edition. It comes out quarterly, so it's a seasonal seasonal mag. And we go through all 73 Cape Union Mart stores nationwide. So uh, we're affiliated with Cape Union Mart, and it's now actually just started to become available in pick and pays and spas from this coming autumn edition, which comes out in a few weeks, which we're very excited about. It's really... You, Sort of as as the as the catchphrase "Live the Life of Adventure." It is an outdoor adventure travel magazine, but with a difference. We've we really look at things that are 
off the beaten track and expeditions and adventures. So we've got people like Kingsley Holgate that write for us, and we've got John van der Rey to wrote uh, the, the Spud. spud. Guy. Yes, mm. we've got on safari with Spud. So he's our our Bill Bryson of of the intrepid explorer who goes to weird and wonderful destinations. And then we have adventurers like Bram Mulherber and Ronnie mm. Mull, you know, doing Everest and and all sorts of wonderful destinations. And Mike Horn, and then trail runners like Ryan Sands and AJ Carlitz. It's all the big names. Yeah, we've got some wonderful, wonderful mm. contributors. So, so it's it's very exciting, and uh, I'm sure hopefully people will enjoy. Good it. link with Cape Union, Mark. Though, because I mean, you need all those, especially if you're going to the cold places. I mean, the yeah. ideal place to get all that special gear that yeah, you need exactly. to get to go to these places. Yeah. Do you do any of these things yourself? Yes, I try and do some of them, but as far as the Everests or those sort of things, I'll leave those to the experts. <laughs> yeah, well, now with a new wife in tow, you'll be. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yes, you can't be da- endangering yourself. No, you need no, to no. keep yourself safe. Exactly. Oh, not that all, everybody doesn't have to do that. I mean, you, all the guys <laughs> that do this need to keep themselves safe. But a wonderful cross section of different adventures, which might not be for everybody, but it's wonderful reading about them. Yes. You know, yes, I love I love being an armchair adventurer. Exactly. And thinking, you people must be insane. Yeah. But love reading about what they've done. And we can do it from the comfort of our own couch. Yeah, I, I tell you, it's much, much, much safer, and it's a lot warmer there too and not quite so cold because some of these places look absolutely freezing the issue that I've got in front of me here was your previous the summer 2014 issue and that was when you had Prince Harry on the cover yes yeah and they were his press people were was so helpful and I mean it really was such a pleasure to actually get the interview done with him because you know I would normally have thought that this sort of thing would be incredibly difficult and there'd be a lot of red tape but they were wonderful and it was about his uh his trip that he recently did uh, for Walking with the Wounded, which are, you know, a lot of his fellow compatriot soldiers who have either lost legs or arms or whatever the case might be. And they actually did a whole trip to the South Pole, which and he was the ambassador who did the whole trip with them. So he actually didn't stay at home and, and, and lend his name. He actually did it himself as well. Quite a coup to get that. Yes, it was wonderful. Yeah, so that that is the kind of thing that you can read in Intrepid Explorer. These are real Intrepid Explorers. This isn't just, you know, the weekend guy that goes off and climbs Correct. a little yeah, copy no, these, somewhere. This is the real McCoy. stuff. This is yeah. the real stuff. And as um, Robbie was saying, these are the big names in adventure exploring. I mean, the names you mentioned are names that we hear in the news. These are names that we watch on television doing these amazing things. And they're all in the magazine. Yes, and from the new edition coming out now, it's the the, the winter. Is it the winter edition? Uh, the autumn, autumn edition, edition coming out now. We've actually got um, Sir Richard Branson on the cover. And the reason we obviously have him is at the age of 63, he's just broken another three Guinness records. One of them being uh, he's the oldest person to cross the English Channel by kite surfing. And then um, a lot of us know about his other hot air ballooning and he was yes, the man is all sorts of things. And now, unstoppable. Yeah. And I mean, you know, this, you normally say the sky's the limit, but the next <laughs> looks like he's going into space. So. Absolutely. <laughs> right. So you say from this edition, we can possibly, find, we'll, we'll be able to find it now in some pick and pays and yes, where else? Yes. We're very excited. It's actually, it'll be in all the Cape Union Mart stores, but also in pick and pays and spas and a certain amount of the engine stores. Oh, nice. Okay, so, so it's very accessible. You sort of all over the place. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be all over the place from now on. So we're very excited because, you know, just extending that reach is, mm. is great for us. 
Well, well, good luck with your next edition and keep an eye out for it. And you can also find them on the internet. It's www.intrepidexplorer.co.za and look out for their autumn 2014 edition coming out soon, The Intrepid Explorer with Richard Branson on the cover. Robbie, it's been wonderful chatting with you and uh, hopefully we'll chat with you again uh, quite soon. Thank you so much. I just uh, appreciate being on the show. Thanks for your time. I was chatting there with Robbie Stammers and he's the publishing editor of The Intrepid Explorer. And as I mentioned, the autumn 2014 edition is due out now. You'll be able to find it at all branches of the Cape Union Mart. And uh, from this edition... It's going to be in pick and pays and spas and in some engine stores as well. So have a look out for it. And you can also find them on the web. It's intrepidexplorer.co.za. Time to travel with Karen Key. Doriel Robertson's on the line now, and she's the events coordinator for Franchuk Winter Wines, and that's coming up on Saturday the 21st at the Franchuk Motor Museum. It's one of my favorite places in Franchuk. Doriel, good evening. Welcome back to the show. Thank you, Karen. Thanks for having me Wonder, again. <laughs> wonderful venue, this Franchuk Motor Museum at Lomoran's estate. I mean, I love that place. Do you know what? It is just amazing. Like, all the vintage cars, if you're a petrol head or if you're not a petrol head, everyone seems to enjoy the venue. So it's the 21st of June. It's one day only from 12 until 5. What's going to be happening? What is Winter Wines all about? Well, basically what we do is we ask all the Franchuk farms to bring their top red wine. So everyone brings along their top, their flagship red wine. All the farms are also only allowed to bring one wine. So you come in, and besides the beautiful setting with the wineries placed in between the cars, you get to browse the cars, you get to taste Franchuk's top red wines, and tastings um, are all inclusive in your in your um, entrance fee. So you go around, and the winemakers have to stand behind their stands. So it's a quite a small festival. It's a niche festival. We keep it to 500 tickets, so it really isn't a big festival. Antony Rupert Wines is obviously our host, and Terra del Capo, the antipasti bar on the farm, will be doing all the food. So the food will be delicious food, nice and warm winter food to keep you warm, and then you're tasting the most amazing um, Franchuk red wines. And even if it rains, I mean, that's all indoors anyway. So. Well, that's, that's the great thing about the Motor Museum is that we've got these huge big halls that, that house the cars, and then we're just inside there. But we also hope that it doesn't rain, because if it doesn't rain, what the guys from the Motor Museum actually do is they take the cars out and they take them around um, the track so you can actually listen to the cars, mm. they start them up, and it really is a great day out. I mean, you sit outside with your glass of red wine and something nice to eat and you watch the cars go around it really is fantastic. Now, I have to say that, I mean, when I first was told we were going to the Motor Museum, I was not terribly impressed because I'm not a gearhead or petrolhead or whatever it is head you call them. I, I just thought, oh, really, big boys, cars, you know. Honestly, I am I fell in love with the place. You just can't help yourself because the sense of history in there with all these old cars, I mean, you literally are mesmerized by what's in there. And I have been back a number of times and I keep raving about it. And people look at me who haven't been and say, but it's just cars. It's not just cars. I know. I, I feel the exact same way. When people say to me, come, let's go to the Motor Museum, I used to roll my head and yeah. make any excuse not to go <laughs> and think, oh, God, I could think of nothing worse than spending two hours walking around cars. But it's beautiful. It I mean, is. They've got some of the very old cars that, that are just fascinating to the very latest, like, 
your Enzos and, and things like that where there are only a few in the world. Mm. I mean, it's just fascinating. There are beautiful, beautiful cars in a beautiful setting in Franschhoek. I mean, the farm is just magnificent itself. And they've brought in a tram system in, in, on the farm. So you can go from their one tasting room or from the motor museum to the other two tasting rooms on the farm, which is also just, I mean, it just is the most phenomenal experience. Is this part of that train system that they've set up in Franschhoek anyway? They've got the new little wine train no, thing. Is unfortunately, because La Omeranz is so far oh, out, right. it can't okay. be part of that system. So they've brought in their own tram that goes from the motor museum to the one tasting room, the Terrell Capo tasting room, to the Antony Rupert tasting room. And so you go through the farm, so you see all the horses and the Angus and the and the vineyards and it is just breathtaking like it really is beautiful and this time of year everything is green 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 you see the waterfall on the farm I mean it's just mind-blowing and it's less than an hour from Cape Town exactly and because we're on the outskirts of Franschhoek it is really less than an hour it cuts off a good 15 minutes of Mm. your journey so we're talking about tickets at what 180 per person where from it's 180 per person from web tickets or you can buy them at the door we do keep tickets available at the door and your 180 includes all your tastings so it's the tasting of all your top wines I mean some of these wines are 450 500 rand a bottle so they really are phenomenal and then we'll we'll have specials on so you can stock up your cellar um, on the day and there's a shop there with credit card machines and everything so you come and enjoy your day and then you take home a case or two of what you really enjoy and that 180 also includes your entrance to this fabulous motor museum it does so you'll be able in the one hall we'll have the wine tasting but the other three halls will be fully packed with with cars and and all the rest i mean there's things like a 1903 ford for example and then you've got a 2002 ferrari or the 2003 mercedes-benz clk dtm amg whatever that means i have no idea but all those out there would know exactly what all those letters mean and i would assume be suitably impressed yes no definitely and you know what the thing is i mean the thing is is that if you if you think of going out wine tasting for the day and and you're not really into that well then you don't have to be because you can Mm. go grab a glass of wine and then you can walk and look at the cars and you can grab a glass another glass of wine and you can grab something to eat you can sit outside and enjoy the views if wine is your thing well then this is just an absolute bonus but i mean you're getting the best of the best it's the best venue with the best wines i mean you just can't ask for anything now what is what is the you're apparently having live entertainment as well Yes, we're having Newton and Co. I mean, he's just brilliant. I love Newton. Um, he plays covers, so it's something that everyone knows. So it gets your toe tapping. So it really is fun. Right. So as I mentioned right at the very beginning, Saturday the 21st of June, it's one day only at the Franschhoek Motor Museum. It's Lormorant's estate in Franschhoek from 12 until 5. Limited amount of tickets, 500 only. Dariel says they will be available at the door, but if you really do want to go, I suggest you rather book them via webtickets.co.za because you don't want to get there and discover they've all sold out and then you can't go. So I would suggest you do them prior to the event if you really do want to go. Dariel, it sounds like yet again a fabulous Franschuk day out. Um, It sounds like you're going to have a great time. Thank you so much for telling us about what's happening that day. Thank you for having me. Only a pleasure. I was chatting there with Dariel Robertson, events coordinator for the Franschhoek Winter Wines, taking place on Saturday, the 21st of June. And tickets available, webtickets.co.za. And if you want more information, you can contact the Franschhoek Wine Valley office on 021 
or you can email them on office at franchuk.org.za. But always remember, Franchuk has two H's in the middle, and that's office at franchuk.org.za. And that's it for Time to Travel for this week. I'm Karen Key. Thanks for joining me this evening. And a reminder that if you need any information about something you've heard on the show this evening, you can find it on Facebook. Just go to Travel on SAFM. Or you can email me on travel at safm.co.za.